Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Black Mutualist. I appreciate everyone tuning in. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined via the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster line by the Black Mutualist. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. What's going on? Not much. I appreciate you joining me. I was making some... I was uh, uh, doing so, some activity on Twitter a couple months ago, tweeting <laughs> that I wanted to continue to interview liberty-centric guests within the world of uh, the, the Twitter liberty uh, sphere. And a couple people had kind of tagged you, and the Black Mutualist popped up as somebody that I need to get to know. So I appreciate you coming on. Being this is the first time uh, the Kelly Patrick Show audience has gotten to hear from you, and you know, there's, of course quite a bit that I'd like to learn about you too. If it's all right, could you introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show audience? Where are you from? Actually, how old are you? Um, I think you've got a, a rap career. Uh, uh, why, why are you so popular within kind of a political sphere on the, the Twitter, you know, the, in the Twitter world? So who, who is the Black Mutualist? I mean, so yeah, like uh, I was saying a little before we started, I'm, I'm a left-wing market anarchist. Um, you know, that's in that mutualist sphere, um, you know, of course, coming from Joseph Pierre Proudhon, who um, was the first person to ever declare himself an anarchist. Uh, it's commonly said, apparently, if you go uh, read up, you know, things on him and say he was the first person to say he was an anarchist. Uh, he's a primary contributor to uh, the overall uh, libertarian ideology. 
uh, as well as socialist as well. So I'm a socialist as well in, in that. Um, lots of people don't know that uh, libertarianism started as a libertarian socialist movement. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, when they think of socialism, they think of sort of the authoritarian version or the Marxist version. Uh, but they, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, uh, you know, at the Paris Commune, there was a split between uh, Marx and the libertarian socialists, such as Bakunin. Uh, and that ideology persisted and it evolved. And uh, you have things like the classical liberal ideology, this very prevalent uh, internationally that contributes to the libertarian ideology. Uh, and, it, you know, even here in America, even though in America, uh, in the libertarian party, you see more of sort of the, apparently the Rothbardian uh, sort of take on libertarianism uh, mixed with, you know, kind of Austro economics and things of that nature. Very interesting. Okay. So I was actually chatting with Dave Benner, um, just a couple days ago here on the podcast and, and we were talking and somehow we came to the topic of anarcho-communists. Right. And how there is, because Dave was describing how in an anarcho-state, it wouldn't be like there's no rules, okay? You, you could get to a point where maybe there's different little, almost like little cities and people voluntarily come together and decide to live by certain rules and things like that. Right, and right. I said to him, I said, you know, that sounds to me a lot like some of the left-leaning uh, uh, right. an anarchists historically because they, you know, right. uh, you, you emphasized earlier, you know, my wife is from Cuba. She escaped Cuba in 2014. So right. if, you, if you say you're a socialist, if she was here on air with us right now and <laughs> yeah. you were like, yeah, I'm a libertarian socialist, she would roll her eyes, maybe tell you to fuck yourself. <laughs> well, that and, and see, the thing is, people do do that and they come with such righteous anger. Right. But for someone like me that actually, you know, I know the roots of the ideology of what I speak of libertarianism, of mm -hmm. anarchy. Mm -hmm. Right. For someone like me, yeah. it's like, oh, you sound so ignorant, you know, being so mad at me for saying, you know, because you have this perception of what a socialist is supposed to be because of what you basically heard in the media. Right. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be libertarians. We're supposed to understand how the media manipulates and drives stories. And even with the word anarchy it's been corrupted. People think it means no rules and chaos when there's a, there's a centuries long ideology behind it. There's, there's a long tradition behind anarchy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's all kind of different forms, right? So uh, people get so caught up in, in these kind of words and I don't know, it just, it helps to know, like, you know, if you hear something, Oh, libertarian socialist sounds so weird. Go look it up, you know, go, go actually do some research on it. You know, mm -hmm. you have all this information in the palm of your hands Unlike people from centuries ago, you can instantly go find information, go do some research on it. Mm -hmm. So I, what, what I noticed about what you said originally was you differentiated your brand of libertarian socialism from some of the more authoritarian, not more, but extremely authoritarian communist regimes such as maybe Cuba or uh, current day right. uh, Venezuela, North Korea, obviously, things like that. That's, right. Not, right. that's not the brand of socialism. Well, I mean, it, it is libertarian. Okay. So, it, it, so it is against authoritarian. It's anarchist. So it is against coercion and oppression. It's against typically the state. It's typically against state oppression and things of that nature. Yeah, it comes with the word libertarian, you know? Okay, very interesting. So, actually, if we could, if we could back up a little bit, how old are you? 
I'm 27. Okay, where'd you grow up at? Uh, Alabama, rural Alabama, north. Interesting. Okay. Yep. And what what prompted you? All right, politically, when you first had your first political thoughts, right? Do you remember when yeah. that was? When was oh, that? Yeah. What type of thoughts were those? Oh man, I had to been that have been like six. I've been I've been in, in, invested into history and politics for a long time. Um, I, like when I was growing up, you know, I had like a a bunch of encyclopedia books in my room, and I just like used to read them all the time and stuff like that. And this would be like crossword puzzles. So it had to be like five or six when I kind of first got. I remember uh, doing a rant on George Bush when I was in kindergarten. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, uh, I was definitely so definitely, uh, I guess Democrat, you know. And then maybe in I don't know junior year of high school, we did like one of those political compass tests, and you know, I you know I was definitely like an Obama supporter, right? You know, I'm a black kid. I'm in high school. You know, he's a he's running. He's a black guy, right? I'm a supporter. That's what people did, right? And uh, we took like this political compass test and I was like, wow, I thought like Obama was like a far leftist at the time. Right. He was like extreme left for me. I was like so far to the left of Obama. I was like, holy shit. Like, what does this mean? Like, I don't, I don't kind of, I didn't really know how to quantify it. Um, but definite Democrat, you know, and then when I got to voting age, um, I actually couldn't vote in my first election because I ended up moving from Alabama to Atlanta. Uh, but I was like a Bernie Sanders supporter for the longest time. Um, and then sort of I mean, like 2019, 2020, right? You, everybody kind of saw how kind of the Democratic machine clamped down and uh, reacted and acted in authoritarian interests and, and, you know, actively sought out to uh push away any new voices, any sort of new thing that didn't meet with their establishment interests. Uh, and that got me thinking about uh, different parties. So I went to a libertarian rally. Uh, George Jogerson was speaking in Atlanta. I went there and I was wearing a Bernie Sanders shirt when I went there too. You know, I was, I was like firmly a leftist, but I, I looked up and understood a lot of Joe Jorgensen's policies and I can recognize that, you know, Number one, she was clearly the best choice between Biden and Trump. But on top of that, um, you know, I had a lot of libertarian leanings and I kind of I hadn't connected it at that point into like where I am now. But I, I like on those little tests that where you they kind of show you where you're at. I would score like 70 percent libertarian. And like a lot of my mentors and stuff were like teaching me like libertarian sort of ideologies and stuff like that. Um, so I kind of, you know, I agree with like a lot of her stuff. And so I kind of got on there uh, and just kind of like explored the space. You know, I've been to a lot of different, I've been to a, a Young Americans for Liberty event. I just went, I just came back from a Students for Liberty event. I went to, you know, the Libertarian National Convention. I've been to two uh, Georgia State conventions. I was a delegate at the National Convention this at Reno. Um, you know, I've been to a lot of the different sphere than Liberty Twitter. I've been to a lot of different parts of uh, the libertarian space, you know, since then. So you you see how kind of explain that, how far I've come and how wide ranging that goes. It's been for still for me to end up on left wing anarchy. Now, you said Joe Jorgensen was the best choice out of Trump. By far. Trump or Biden. 
or Joe fault. Jorgensen, and I laughed kind of. I want to clarify. <laughs> I was saying, oh, fuck, I mean, of course. <laughs> you know, I mean, she wasn't perfect, but, I mean, she. It she, was, I mean, exactly. It was like these are these are two old puppets. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was so clear, <laughs> you know, and then and you know what's crazy, especially as a as a black person, you know, when Joe Biden was like, well, if you're not in, and keep him on. So I'm, I've already told you, like, at this point, I'm already like, well, fuck the Democrats, you know, right. When he said, so, if you're not, if you're not, yeah. if you're still considering who you're voting for, you ain't black. Right. He's like, he's like, yeah, if you're not voting for me, you're not black. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not voting for him. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, at that point, I was like, well, you know what? That's it. That's the end of his campaign. The pro blacks are gonna rise up. All the all all the the Black Lives Matter. They're gonna rise up. They're not gonna tolerate this shit. Then to see everybody make excuses for this man, make every type of excuse in the world for this man. I'm like, you would never excuse this for anybody else. Any any other time, you would never feel. You would never be okay with someone saying some shit like this. But you know, I you know here here I am. It's it's 2022. I have not been black for two years now, and it's a, it's been real rough. <laughs> what do you identify as now? Are, are you a, a white guy I, now? I, I guess I gotta ask King Biden. You know? <laughs> what, what you're allowed? What you're allowed to call yourself? <laughs> what I what I can be? I was like, well, since I'm not black, like, am I am I white? Like, am I nothing? Like, neutral? Like, what's going on? So why do you think they were able or why did they forgive Biden? You think it was his connections with Obama and people kind of always remember that? I think that there may be some weight to that. He's always kind of an Obama guy. Man, no, it it was more so fear of Trump. That's really what did it. And that's what made me know that Trump was going to I never thought Trump was going to win that election. I was like, the fear of Trump is too great. And it's uh they had built it, you know, Trump didn't do himself any favors at all, but they had built a successful, like, you know, this dude's terrible. They got Republicans to say he was awful. Then the, you know, the January 6th thing happened. Well, that was afterwards, but it, it was just like they had built such a case to fear Trump to be like anybody but Trump. I mean, literally, I had told my friends who's also into politics, I was like, any Democrat would be Trump. Anyone, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Tulsi Gabbard, any of uh, Amy, uh, fucking Klobuchar, she anybody would have beat Trump, but they literally chose the worst person because the worst person could have beat Trump. Mm. So did did you? And I'm sorry, I think you said it already. Did you end up vote? You voted for Joe Jorgensen. I did vote for Joe Jorgensen. Yeah. Okay. And very proud of that. Very proud of that. Um. In, in high, okay, so since Joe Jorgensen was the candidate in 2020, of course, she got like two, I think like, what was it, 1.4 or 2% of the vote? <laughs> I, I think it was like 3%. <laughs> okay, something like that. So, I mean, that's, yeah. for, for a libertarian candidate, it's not the best ever, but I think it was maybe the highest vote total ever or something like that. My, my county in Georgia actually had like one of the top three, uh, like vote goers for Joe Jorgensen, actually. Like, I actually kind of live in like a libertarian sort of county. It's kind of crazy. Interesting. Um, many of those African Even I live African in Atlanta. American? Yes, that's the thing. I live in a suburb of Atlanta. It's right near the Brave Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like a mix of kind of like uh, middle class minorities. And, and that's just, I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah. I like, yeah, yeah. Like, we, uh, it kind of goes either way. Like we're kind of open-minded, right? We're kind of aware of what's going on in the political. I don't, I don't think 
almost anybody is really happy with the political system right now, mm-hmm. honestly, except for like super crazy people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most people kind of see like shit's bad. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, everything's bad. So, so when the Jorgensen campaign was kind of done, then the, the the Mises caucus ended up taking over the party. You were there when right. that happened. You said right. I was there when that happened. Okay. Now the critics of the Mises caucus takeover would say it was. So I'm interested in your perspective on this. They would say it's overran now by uh, alt right racists. What is your take on that? Let me see. I think they, you know, from uh, what you can definitely say about the, the Mises caucus based on kind of how they acted and like what they did at the LNC, I can definitely say that, you know, it seems it tends to be a more emotional than logical type of group. You know, you know, they get in and, you know, their first their first move is to remove a, a plank on like, you know, being against bigotry. Why? emotion it's they're trying to they're trying to virtue signal you know they're they're trying to they're trying to virtue signal against what they perceive the left as and then think about this for me as someone who's a left anarchist socialist Mm -hmm. for to and for someone that left the democrats joined the libertarians can you imagine like it's so stupid seeing even libertarians fall into this whole left right bullshit you know, where they're they're trying to fight against their perception of the left and right. And the Mises caucus tends to do that a lot where they're instead of you you understand it, right? Where in an, in an anarchist society, you would have all types of different communities. You would have and you would you would tolerate them as well because you live in peace with them, you know, or or they live in peace. They they still understand the rules under anarchy, you know, exerting the NAP and whatnot. Uh, they tend to fight more for their their culture to try to establish what they their their cultural type of uh their ter- their cultural type of fights and and stances they tend to be more focused on that and uh, as a libertarian and as an anarchist I don't think that's something you should be you should be understanding that in the true anarchist place you're going to get those different cultures and societies and things like that um, culture will just form itself it's not something that you have to direct it's not something that has to be coerced it's something that naturally happens as a result of human interaction okay so. The, the most likely guy to be the presidential candidate in 2024 is Dave Smith. What are your thoughts on Dave? You know, I think, I think Dave is kind of like mediocre. Um, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't strike me as like an impressive person. And when I see his arguments, a lot of them seem flawed. He seems to also virtue signal a lot. Uh, there are questions about his character as well, you know, um, I don't know. And then, you know, even to see, you know, the, the him putting his hands uh, on and around the stuff with national, it seems like these are people that don't really have it fully together when it comes, you know, right now I'm, I'm in Georgia, right? Shane Hazel yeah. and Chase Oliver were just on the debate stage. We had Ryan Graham on the debate stage. Ted, man, we had a full slate on the debate stage right now. Right. And, and you know they're they're talking about you know socialism and and you know theoretical stuff you know these we're we're making serious strides right now this is a serious thing right now georgia georgia libertarians at the very least are have been making noise for years now right and you know for you to be focused on this kind of cartoonish kind of clownish stuff 
this is a serious moment. You know, you could it, not just Georgia Libertarian. I'm sure other states have big movements going on. They they might need help getting on a debate because a lot of people, if you look when they seen Chase and Shane and all the they're regardless of the side they're on, they're like, hey, I like hearing another voice. I didn't even know about this. Well, they're getting interested. It's sparking interest. We need to do that from a national perspective. And it just seems like their priorities are in the wrong place. His in, in general. Okay. Um, is Chase Oliver and Shane Hazel, do they, my understanding would be Chase represents more of the Jorgensen type camp. And then, and then Shane Hazel op represents more of a, maybe the Mises caucus camp. Would that be an accurate description? Uh, that's kind of interesting. Shane is like, I mean, not Shane, Chase is like, like a classical liberal. Like Justin Amash more than Joe Jorgensen, right? Like that's who I would compare him to. Shay Hazel is indeed uh like the Mises Austro economic side, more so right libertarian, whereas Ch uh, Chase is like the centric, the centrist libertarian almost. Okay, but do they get along with each other? Do they get along with each other? You know, they've worked in the party together. They have talked. You know, I. I think obviously they don't agree on certain views and stuff. And I don't think that um, I, I don't agree, you know, with a lot of Shane's tactics, but I still like, you know, went to his meet and greet uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, in Georgia, I still, uh, just, I probably would still vote for him to force a runoff, okay. you know, in Georgia, despite that, you know? Um, so I think it's kind of like that where, yeah, you know, there there's disagreements and you know, I certainly like for example, I saw Shane somebody asked Shane about reparations because apparently like conservative black people care about reparations. That was kind of a shock to me. But they asked Shane about reparations because Shane's been trying to, you know, do I guess outreach to black conservatives. Um and you know, he said like in the Fed and use Bitcoin. It's like, come on, that's that's not like an actual strategy, you know. <laughs> have, have you ever heard a, a liberty? You know what's interesting is I interviewed Larry Sharp. I assume you're familiar with Larry Sharp. Yeah, he's awesome. Have you ever heard him talk about his idea for reparations? Yeah, when I actually, so he was Shane was in like this Twitter space talking to black conservatives, and again, he was just, he was just saying kind of some weird stuff, man. Like they they said. uh you know, hey, black people are going to care about the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments of the Constitution, whereas Shane was like, well, we should, you know, dissolve the federal Constitution, but still observe state constitutions and possibly replace constitutions with Bitcoin, which is like, again, how, like Bitcoin can't do every damn thing, okay? Like... <laughs> Uh, but he's but then, and then so she's like, and I think it's a valid question. She's a conservative. She says, "Well, aren't we just switching one form of government for another form of government? If we just switch from federal power to state power, and the the powers that are within the federal government go to the state." And I forgot what he said. But he he started. Why was I explaining this? I got, I got way off track. Why was oh, no, I, no. What, I, what, what, I mentioned Larry, Larry Sharp. Larry Sharp. Yes, yes. That's the thing. So I got in after that. And she asked me, well, I'm like, hey, I'm a black libertarian. I'm like, I'm also on the left side, whereas Shane is on the right side. I kind of gave a, a little rundown, a little maybe a little more in depth there. Um, and so she was like, okay, you know, she let me speak in the space. And she's like, well, what would you say to, you know, black men that are conservative that want reparations? And yeah, I pointed, I was like, well, 
uh, Larry Sharp, you know, another black libertarian in New York, he has a great plan for, uh, I think, uh, reparations. Uh, this, you know, that, you know, is like, you know, you've seen it, the no cost plan for reparations. You could even add stuff to that. I looked it up, you know, you could do stuff like, uh, you know, reduced or no fees for business licenses for mm-hmm. black people, stuff like that. Just things that kind of allow them to get into the market more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think that's a, a kind of a great starting point, and I think that's a good compromise to get something going you know i'm all about getting something moving it's definitely an interesting topic because being a a white guy who talks about politics on a podcast a lot it it, i guess the easiest thing to do would be to kind of brush past those type of topics but uh, i do think the african-american community in the united states uh i don't know the statistics but they probably own businesses low at a lower uh uh in lower frequency than like white right. people do, for example, right? That's probably right. a safe yeah. statement. Yeah, 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 for and, sure. And the the more that, that African-American or anyone owns a business, the more likely they are to have like generational wealth and to pass down, even if it's not a big, you know, the biggest business in the world, a little shop right. on the side of the road, they pass it down to their kids, they own their house. That's the type of shit that, right. that will trend and- that community in the correct direction, at least from my perspective. Right. And here and here's another kind of perspective on it uh, that I gave them. It was, you know, from the perspective of someone that's a conservative that wants, you know, and I, I told you uh, I'm an anarchist, you know, but from from a, a purely legal, maybe even libertarian perspective. Um, the United States government is the entity that made it legal to own people as as capital and to traffic them right so if you were going to think about it like you were suing a business like the united not the individual slave owners were definitely at fault but the united states is the entity uh that you know took profits or you know and grew in infrastructure from that right the united states government itself holds assets and as part of reparations and as part of ceding assets and power from government, you can disperse those assets that the United States holds, such as land, um, you know, such as places that, you know, you, probably, you know, you might know about the highway system where they uh, use eminent domain to, you know, demolish black communities in order to build highways. You can justify many of these things legally uh, for the United States to cede the assets that it's holding to uh people that would be recipients of reparations right and that would still that would kind of avoid the whole oh you know you're stealing from me you know type of argument that people kind of go with it's interesting um just as a summary for someone who's not familiar larry sharp's plan and i don't remember the exact details but he has them he's a solutions guy i'm a big larry sharp fan i've interviewed him like four or five times but i'm I really like larry sharp but he he's said, great Yeah, he is great. He really is. But he says that we would have, I forget, was it like 17 and a half years? Or I don't, I forget. 21 generation. So 23 years, I think, is what he put on there. Okay, 23 years. So one generation where African-American owned businesses would have no, I think it was federal income tax and no state uh, uh, tax for the the business. Reducing property tax. Reducing state and federal income tax, um, uh, wealth transfers, 
like that would be like like from like you know when people die, like generational like wealth transfers i guess like when people die or so whatever they transfer like uh reduce or no taxes there mm-hmm. in, in the in in theory what he's he's hoping for is to inject um business ownership within the black communities and so therefore that would turn into you know generational wealth pe- black people owning things uh less dependence on you know welfare states things like that um and in the long run it makes sense and i think from a libertarian perspective eat whether you're left libertarian or right libertarian i mean you can say yeah fuck taxes yeah nobody should have to pay taxes but uh, you know if we're giving them a break on taxes, that like you know what I mean, that's not really going to bother me that much because I think all taxes are bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I, and it's um, I don't know. It's like I said, from a from the perspective of you know, labor was done, it it wasn't given to the proper recipients of who should have received compensation from that labor. Therefore, it goes to their descendants or next next of kin. I think, I think, like I said, there's a libertarian uh, contractual, even like kind of like, you know, anarcho capitalist, like contractual uh, kind of argument to be made there. Interesting. So if in 20, and I'm jumping all over the place, that's my interview style. I apologize. <laughs> if no in tw- 2024, it's Donald Trump against Joe Biden, and the third choice is Dave Smith. Black mutualist, who who are you voting for? Man, that's gonna be tough. I'm gonna think right, cause right. So like right now, I know that I'm gonna vote for Chase, and then it's probably gonna cause a runoff, and then I'm gonna vote for um uh Warnock. Right? I think I think uh I think like just like not voting. That's like the pussy way out. Like <laughs> you should like it's gonna be it, yeah, it's the hard decision, but I still feel like you know you should do it. You should participate and make that decision because it's just it's just checking the box. Like it's super easy. Why not do it? Um. <clears throat> but I don't, but like Stacey Abrams like recently said something that was like so stupid, like profoundly stupid to me. It is like, I was going to vote for her because I was like, maybe not, not even because of her, but like maybe like Democrats will influence her to like make weed legal or something. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I'm trying to trying to decide who I'm going to do. Uh, I definitely probably wouldn't vote for Trump. Actually, Which- Actually, let me tell you something. You know, that platinum player Trump was gonna come out with. <laughs> I, I was like, hey man, listen, let me let me listen to it. Little Wayne's I love Little Wayne. I'm a big Little Wayne fan. I'm like Little Wayne's co-signing it, you know, uh Kodak Black. I, I'm willing I, I think Ice Cube was giving it a chance. I'm like, listen, man, I'm willing to hear him out. All right. <laughs> Little Wayne does like he likes Trump, I think, doesn't he? I I I, I think he did endorse Donald Trump. You know, I like I said, Little Wayne endorses him. I'm willing to hear him out. I'm a Kanye West fan. He endorsed him. Kanye West, he's honestly going a little overboard. You know, <laughs> so I, I don't know how much longer I could kind of use him. But I was like, I honestly, I'm, I'm an outlier. I gave chance. I gave Trump a lot more chances than other people did. <laughs> now, what what did Kanye say recently? I didn't even see the exact quotes. Did he actually go on like an anti-Semitic rant? Is that real? Yeah. Man, I don't know. He's, uh, you know, with uh, with Jewish people, you can uh, you you really got to toe that line. It's better just not say anything at all. <laughs> if you say, if you if you like have like any criticism, 
you know, I don't know. It's, it's liable to go. It's liable to go left. So he was. He definitely said some shit that was like kind of crossing the line, if not anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. And that's just too close for a lot of people. Sure. <laughs> okay. So no, under no circumstance will you vote for Trump or Biden. I wouldn't. Oh God, this is so tough. Because you said it's a, it, it's a bitch move to not vote. Is that what you said? It is. A, it is a bit. I think it's a bitch move to not vote for okay. sure. You gotta you gotta make the tough decision. Even though you're an anarchist, doesn't that seem to kind of uh, uh, clash? Not nah, because in mutualism, right? There's a concept called dual power, right? And that's uh, using. So you're one. You're using the existing infrastructure to help build and facilitate the new world, and you're also at the same time building alternative structures, right? So in this case, you would use kind of government to facilitate the libertarian or anarchist kind of world that you want, while also at the same time, people outside of government use those, because what's happening is, you know, the government's put a lot of restrictions down that make it so a lot of people can't live in freedom, can't build societies the way they want to in a piece of way, right? So you remove those restrictions and you kind of do things like the libertarian plan for reparations to kind of uh, create some form of kind of like equity, but at least at least just kind of removing these barriers, right? And as you do that, it's the same concept as voting for a libertarian politician for candidate, right? His job is to make it so that the government uh, is less intrusive and gives you a greater chance to live a libertarian way of life. So that is the same concept in mutualism, right? It's a, it, you, uh, and even if you look at the literature, you know, a lot of them can see the existence of a state, at least in the short term, but, you know, probably for the long term, because that's people, not the state, but government, right? People like making governments. That's just how, that's the connective tissue of societies, it seems. Uh, so it, it kind of all fits together under that ideology. Okay. Yeah, I, I would describe myself as being pretty close to, or I, yeah, I'd say I'm an anarchist, but I do, I do uh, believe in voting, um, you know, dependent on uh, what the race is and all, all that stuff. So right. I, it's an interesting topic, though, you know. Are you a fan right. of Michael Malice? Michael Malice. Um, you know, I can't even say that I've honestly like looked at him for real. The now the the little like highlights and kind of memes that come across uh, on Twitter, those don't seem good. <laughs> he does. He seems like he might simp too much for America. You know. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, he seems like he might simp too much for America itself and the American. Uh, just kind of like the the way things are now, and kind of that that kind of way of life. So I think that as an anarchist, uh, you're you're not a fan of any nation, right? <laughs> so, so he, you know, that's I mean, maybe not a fan of any nation, but it's like America definitely has imperialistic, uh, you know, tendencies, warmongering tendencies, you know, spying, you know, all that type of stuff, right? So it's like, that's not something that you as an anarchist should really be kind of, uh, you know, waving a flag for. Okay. Are there any wars that the United States has been in that you think are justified? I think, like, uh, I guess you could say, like, fighting against the Axis in World War II is justified. That doesn't really mean all the actions taking place and the way they got in was justified. 
but I feel like, you know, uh, if someone is, uh, you know, you know, violently oppressing, you know, committing genocide, then it is justified. You know, if you think about like the NAP, it's like, okay, well, you aggressed against, you know, it kind of depends on also like what you think of community, what you think of is your fellow man you're in your community or is it just the people in this landmass? Um, so it's like, if you, if you view kind of everyone sort of every human sort of in your community as kind of like a fellow person that shouldn't be oppressed upon and things like that. Right. You'll see, Hey, that's like my neighbor that's been aggressed upon. So it kind of, so that's, that's kind of how I feel, you know, fighting against that. That's a noble cause, but the, actual actions that took place during World War II. I'm pretty sure there were many, many atrocities. Uh, so that's not a, a justification of that at all. Now, you, you mentioned that Michael Malice may simp a little too much for the United States. If you had to live in another country outside of the United States, does one come to mind if you had to choose somewhere else to live? Um, I like, you know, the U.S. is like, I don't know, I guess it's like, there definitely, definitely could be worse in the U.S., right? Um, as far as like countries that are better that I'd like to kind of observe to see kind of how things are working, I think maybe uh, places like Sweden. Okay. Like I kind of like because you know Sweden doesn't have a minimum wage, and it's supposedly capitalist, but it's kind of left wing and social democrat. So kind of that, that'd be kind of be nice to observe to see the differences in the culture and what's going on with the government and the people there and their relation to it. Not many black people in Sweden. Absolutely not. That would be the one. See, when you're black, it's a problem when you travel. You got to think about things like that. Are there any black people here? Because a lot of times it's not. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Black Mutualist, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Before we wrap things up, if someone's interested in learning more about you, I know I think one of your Twitter accounts got banned, and so you're yeah. you're always bouncing I mean, around. What, how can they follow you? How can they check out your rap career? Yeah, no, cool. Uh, yeah, and I make... Uh, Anti-authoritarian, uh, you know, re- conscious rap. I talk about the system, police brutality, you know, government pushing us into war, oppression, anarchy, things like that, libertarian stuff. That's what I'll be rapping about. Um, mixed with, like, you know, some drugs and some other stuff. <laughs> um, but you can, my SoundCloud, you know, Black Mutualist. Um, Twitter is the B Mutualist. Uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm probably going to be releasing some new music or something like that very, very soon. So I've been writing a lot. haven't really released nothing. Okay, great stuff. Well, Black Mutus, I really appreciate your time. I look forward I appreciate to, you. Yeah, look forward to hopefully speaking with you again sometime soon. Thank you very much. For sure, man. I appreciate it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.